Welcome to the Nova Church Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to get into God's Word with us today. To find out more, you can head to novachurch.com. It is, it is absolutely such a privilege to be here, as um, Pastor Sam said. We've known each other. How old are you now? Is that, can we ask that? Is that 20, so 10 years. Wow. There's a couple of things. I'm just so proud of, of Sam and, and Hannah. You guys are, are phenomenal. And what you're doing here is absolutely incredible. And just being a spectator, being part of the journey has, has blessed me so much. A couple of things that I'm just so proud of you and I admire you in, in the way that you conduct yourself. And the, probably the one thing that I admire most about Pastor Sam is his thighs. He has, he has some of the best thighs on a man I've ever seen. When the Lord blessed people with thighs, he went double portion on Pastor Sam. It was, it was incredible. I, I think the first time we ever met was, uh, was a great moment. Uh, we have this relationship where I just relentlessly <laughs> tease Pastor Sam. I think the first time I might have said something like, nice jacket, does that come in men's? <laughs> but uh, I-, I love you, uh, Pastor Sam, and what's happening here at Nova Church. Are you going to stay up there the whole time? Is that what's going on? No, no, well, you can grab a seat. I'll give you – you can come up. I think the guy said in 25 minutes – all right, so I could preach all night. No, obviously not. <laughs> um, I'm going to continue on with the theme that you've been uh, speaking on and hearing over the last few weeks, which is how to adult. Now, as, as, a, as a young adult, I thought becoming an adult was just something that happened with age, but clearly not. Because there's plenty of people that are around 45 years of age and... Uh, are about as mature as my 10-year-old. Uh, and I always thought that it was something that you just get better at doing naturally. You just kind of uh, pick up things as you go along. But I love the fact that you've got a church that's strategically and purposefully designing uh, messages in how to succeed in life. And I've got, a, I've got a, a, a topic today which is called Who's Leading Who? Who's leading who? This is something that's really important for you to understand about yourself because if you don't know who's leading you, often as a byproduct of just being apathetic about it, you'll end up in a place and a space where you didn't intend to, but you certainly didn't intend not to get there. Uh, Me and my wife, we have a great relationship, but one of the things that she likes to do is tell me that I can lead. It's very generous of her. Uh, And on... On my day off, which is a Friday, uh, what happens is she'll often say, Mark, we can do whatever you want to do. And I'm like, great, I've got big plans. I've got big plans today. And so I'll start to go through some of those plans. I'll say, you know what, let's go for a hike. And she'll be like, hmm, I don't know if you want to do that. And I'm like, okay, um, uh, what else could we do? We can go shoot some hoops. It's a great idea. No, I think you've got, what else would you like to do? And I don't know how, but somehow we always end up at the shops. (laughs) And somehow it's my decision that she allowed me to make. But it happened probably about a month ago where we ended up at the shops, which was my decision somehow, um, and we end up in the change rooms as Kelly, my wife, my lovely wife, was chying on about 63 items of clothes. But it was all my decision. I, I was leading this conversation. I was leading this outing. 
And I don't know if you've ever noticed, but in a lot of department stores, they will always have the change rooms right next to the underwear department. And so there I was, waiting for my wife out the front of the change rooms because she must, she, I, I must stand by the door so that she can walk out and do her fashion parade. How do I look? And I'll be like, it looks good. All right, you got it? I don't know. Let me try something else on. Oh! And this can go on for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe a lifetime. I'm not sure. But it happened the other day where I was, I was there waiting. And not only do they position these change rooms in the most awkward place amongst all the ladies' underwear, which automatically makes you look like a bit of a weirdo, as you see, they've got no comfortable seats. But there was this little table and chairs there. And no, not, ta- not chairs, just a table. So I'm trying to make myself comfortable on the, on the chairs and I'm waiting on this, on this weird kind of contraption. And I'm just like trying to get comfortable and I'm like, and then I feel, oh, you know, oh, I've got my phone. So I pull my phone out. Where's my phone? Here's my, any phone will do. And so I've got my phone out as I'm leaning on this contraption like this. And you know when you think about what you look like, I've pictured me amongst, oh, waiting for my wife out the front of the change rooms amongst all the ladies' uh, 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 undergarments, like with my phone like this. And I'm just like, oh, this is not a good look. This is... And right at that time where I'm like looking about as suspicious as you can, a lovely lady from our church walks past and says, hey, Pastor Mark, how you doing? I was like, oh... And I turned to, as Kelly walked out, I'm like, how the heck did we end up here? <laughs> She's like, it was your decision. And I'm like, I, I, this. But I feel like as, as people, so many people end up in circumstances where they didn't plan on getting there, they just actually forgot that you were in control of leading yourself that God has given you this ability to step into a destiny in partnership with him by design, not by default. So many people are just kind of wandering through whether it's a relationship or whether it's a job or or choices that they make and they, they haven't actually been purposefully designing their destiny. They just kind of stumble in it and they want to blame everybody else for where they are. Have you ever noticed that there's a couple of words that are really bandied around? One of them is tolerance. Everybody's got to be tolerant of one another, which sounds so good, but really it's really patronising. You imagine if I walked up to my wife and went, oh, honey, I just tolerate you so much. She slapped me. But in, in our secular society, this is something that's esteemed the most. Oh, we must tolerate. No, we must love one another, which actually means we have space for disagreement. But it has space for purpose. And I want to read for you in one of my most famous, uh, favourite chapters is, is Psalms chapter 139. And it's the, this man called David. David is one of the, the heroes of Scripture and he finds himself as he's penning this 
letter and this psalm that he's, he's mixed with so many emotions. He starts with this beautiful uh, writings of poetry. He says, where could I run from your presence? Where could I hide from your love? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depth of hell, even you are there. What he's saying is, God, I don't care where I go. I know that you're going to follow me. I know you're going to be with me. Your, 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 your plans are for me. You knew me even before I was in my mother. Mother's womb. It's this amazing personal conversation with the God Almighty from a man that has great revelation. But let me read this. This part in verse 19, it says, Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Oh, God, depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. For they speak against you wickedly, your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do, not, do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I love this verse. I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Isn't that encouraging? I hate them with a perfect hatred. Next time you see your boss, I hate you with a perfect... No, don't say that. That's not, that's not a nice thing to say. <laughs> but, but then it, it switches gears and it says, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know all of my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Have you noticed in that writing, there's, there's kind of two stanzas, two different mindsets that David had. First of all, he starts with this external focus. There's so many people that I hate, so many people that I dislike. God, I wish you would wipe them out. And it's David focusing all on the external. He's asking, God, I want you to change all of these external circumstances, all of the external influences. But then he switches and goes, God... If you don't change them, change me. He, he goes from worrying about the enemy to be concerned with, get it, with the enemy. See, it's the height of immaturity to want everybody else to change so that you can stay the same. You talk about what an adult is. It's somebody that takes responsibility for who he is and starts to self-lead. That way, when you walk out into the world, when they start to ridicule you or they start to ostracize you as a fellow, as a, as a believer in Jesus, it's not them that's leading you. It's you that's leading you. It's this, this connection with God the Father that holds you. And David goes through this journey from going, you know what, God, I want you to take them all out. Take away all my enemies. I don't want any pressure to you know what forget it uh, search me oh God search me oh God and know my hearts try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me this is what he's saying God why why, why am I reacting the way that I am I wonder how many people are anxious here tonight stressed, lacking patience and you're blaming everybody else but here God is saying uh, and David is saying search me Find what's in me that causes me to react that way. Because the reality is we're created three different parts. First of all, we're created spirit. Next, we're created soul. Soul 
Spirit is our God consciousness. It's what is God aware. Soul is our mind, will and emotions. This is really important to know that there's a separation. Your mind, will and emotions, your soul and then your your body. Your your body is your, your natural faculties. It's your five senses. And these are very integral parts of who you are. But did you know that you were always designed to be spirit led? That your spirit is meant to lead you. We sing songs, spirit lead me well. I think the spirit might have just left, but we'll call him back. (laughs) But you are meant to be spirit led. And in that spirit led is where God speaks. Do you know when God speaks, he never speaks to your soul, your mind, will or emotions or your body. He speaks to your spirit. And then what is meant to happen is your mind, your will and emotions and your body falls in alignment with what God says to you in the spirit. This is why when you walk out of here, you're meant to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Your your soul is not meant to be in control of you. Do you know when you disconnect your soul from your spirit is when you form addictive behaviors it's because the body starts to control who you are and for some guys we stop thinking with this head and we start thinking with another head for some of us we fall into addictive behaviors where we're trying to feed our soul and try to become whole when really what God wants for you and I is to be spirit led. We see this in Genesis chapter 2 when God creates man. When he formed him, when he actually made him with with purpose and precision, but the last thing he did once he formed him out of the dust of the earth is it says that he breathed into him. That word breath is the word ruach. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know a bit of Greek, Hebrew, it's called ruach, ruach. And it's really purposefully designed. The Hebrew language is, is really beautiful because it's actually meant to describe the very act of breathing because you're meant to go ruach. So it's actually the breath of God is signified in your breath because your breath is the breath of God. So when God breathed into Adam, he became a living soul. So his breath, his spirit first, and then his soul became aware. But you were always designed to be spirit led. The Bible says that in the cool of the evening, God himself would come down and he would commune with Adam and Eve. There would be spirit led conversations and there was no lack in the garden. In this place of paradise, there was no pain, there was no suffering. But there was one conversation that changed everything. And we know what that conversation is. If you've been in church, it was with this snake. It was with the devil. He was with your enemy, the enemy of our soul and our spirit. And the snake comes to Eve and he says, did God indeed say? And it wasn't that the snake was trying to test Eve's memory because she knew exactly what God had said. She said, no, God did not say that we could eat of of all the tree, but apart from this one. He said, if you eat this tree, you will surely die. And the snake said to her, You shall not surely die for God knows that when you eat of this fruit, you will live. You will have wisdom. And listen to this. It says, when Eve saw that it was good for food, good for the body, pleasant to the eye and desirable for making one wise, good for the body and good for the soul, she took it and ate it. It was the first moment that was not spirit led. 
that moment that disconnected her from God, the first moment that brought sin into the world was the first moment that she wasn't led by the spirit. She was led by the soul and by the body. And you know what happened? There's a byproduct being led by the soul and the body for the first time. Sin, shame and lack came into the world. You wonder why we walk into a world that has so much sin and shame and condemnation is because they are continually led in the soul. They're led by the mind. They're led by the body. They're led by their addictions. They're led by their pain and their suffering. And they're going in search for something that can only be found in the spirit. Only found in the place where God actually awakens and breathes and speaks and heals and restores and makes whole. But we are constantly searching for something that can't be found in the places that we're looking. I went for a walk last night down Hindley Street and I found all of these people that were desperately searching for something to give themselves meaning. And trying to satisfy your soul with your soul is like trying to get warmer by taking more clothes off, which happened quite a lot last night, I must admit. <laughs> See, I, a number of years ago, I went, I had a swimming pool in my parents' house and we would have this competition where we would swim from one side of the pool to the other and it was a, the idea was to try to swim as long as you can underwater and then whoever did that for the most was crowned the champion of the Lassie household. And, and so I was, I was quite the athlete. And so I would always go last knowing that I could, I could win. But my older brother, his name is Jason, um, he was the envious type. He was the envious type of my talents, my good looks and my natural charisma. He got all the brains, I got everything else. And so we uh, started this competition and I remember uh, we, uh, I, I started to swim once, twice. And it wasn't a big pool, but I got about 11 times. And there's this moment when you're underwater, when your lungs are starting to burn and your head's starting to feel the pressure and everything starts to panic. But if you're really conscious about it, you could push through for maybe a lap or two. So I'm underwater swimming as much as I can, as fast as I can. And I go another level and another level and I realise now I'm in record territory. No one has ever swam this far before. And so I went one more time and as I'm coming back, I'm right at the point where my lungs are about to burst. And just as my lungs are about to burst, I went to take this massive gulp of air. And just as I'm about to reach the top, my oldest brother grabs my head and shoves me back down under the water. And so instead of taking a massive gulp of air, I take a massive gulp of water. And the reality is that's exactly what it's like when we are led by our body and our soul. We look for the breath of God. We look for something, but as much as we need it, rather than getting our fill by coming to church and experiencing the presence of God, we go on Instagram and feed our soul with our soul and then wonder why instead of breathing in the very breath that we were created for, we're disconnected from it and we find ourselves drowning. And when we're drowning, we feed ourselves more. We eat eight tubs of ice cream because our heart is broken. We go and watch, binge watch Netflix for 16 hours because we feel disconnected. And what we do, rather than running into His presence, feeling what God has for us, knowing what God has for us, we end up disconnected disconnecting ourselves from the very presence of God and feeding our soul to satisfy our soul. 
and wonder why we end up leading ourselves off a ditch. Mark chapter 13 says, What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his soul? I used to think that meant what would it profit a man if he gained everything and end up, end, uh, end up spending eternity in hell, but it's actually not what it's saying. It said, what would it profit a man if he went to try to satisfy his soul with everything that the world has to offer, with, with friends and with relationships and with money and with the job and the career and find all of that only to lose himself of self-awareness, to lose the fact that you were created to be led by the Spirit. So what is the antidote to being led by the soul? It's finding yourself in the very presence of God. Filling yourselves with what God has for you. Filling yourselves with, with the Spirit. Filling yourselves with the Word. Filling yourself with prayer. Filling yourself with all of those things that seem so counterintuitive when you're feeling broken. It's to find yourself on the feet at the feet of Jesus saying, Jesus, fill me. I don't want to be led anymore. I don't want to breathe in the very thing that I'm trying to get out of. I don't want to, I don't want to breathe in brokenness to fix my brokenness. I don't want to breathe in addictions just to fix my addictions. We have a world that goes from one addictive behavior to the next, thinking that it would satisfy them. Yet God himself has a plan for you. I'm going to ask, where's my friend Naomi? What's that? Come down for Where's my, um, yeah, Jun Shakari. I was thinking about what we do as human beings. And every now and then we come to this point where we realize that we can't do it on our own. We say, God, I, I need your help. I've tried the best that I can. And I've made a mess. Every move that I make, it's like a, I'm trying to fix it. But every time I try to fix it, I end up further away than when I started. Every time I try to fix my soul with my soul, I end up breaking my soul even more. When I try to fix my body, when I try to fix my addictions, when I try to fix my loneliness or, or my lack, all I'm doing is making more of a mess of it. What happens that we have this moment of clarity that, I hope that maybe you are going to have for the first time or maybe have it again where we say, God, you created me. You know what's good for me. Can you, can you take this mess? And can you do something with it? And the incredible thing about God is He says, yes, I, I can do something with that. I can take all the parts that, that you think are misplaced. I can take all of your brokenness and I can start to shape and start to move. And as God does it, we, we're like, yes, finally, I feel free. The reason why is for the first time we're stepping into a realm where the Spirit is beginning to lead us again. Where we begin to trust the very God that created us. And all of a sudden, He begins to put things together. And we're like, God, you're doing something amazing in me look at what look at what you're doing in me you're sorting out my mess and then we say god i wow look what you've look what you've done thank you i can take it from here god thank you very much that's great i can i can fix this bit i can all i need to do is 
Oh, crap. Oh, God, I've been, I've forgotten you again. I'm back to being led by my soul again. I'm, I'm trying to satisfy. And, and people think that God gets angry at people that turn away from him. He doesn't get angry. He gets frustrated because he's got such a plan. And it's that moment when we go, God, can you fix me again? And he goes, I've been waiting all this time. I've been waiting for you to trust me again. I've been waiting for you to, to just give me your everything. And he begins to work again. And the tragedy of humanity is we spend our lifetime trusting God and then taking it back from God. Thanks, God. I got it from here. Thanks for the relationship. I can fix my finances. Thanks, God. You, you gave me a job but I'm too busy to come to church. Oh, crap. And once again, we fall into this trap of being led by our soul, being led by our body. And God is there saying, trust me. Let the Spirit of God lead you. And it's only when we say, God, whatever you start, you promise to finish in me. Uh, I see people that are going into their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s that have continued this behavioural pattern for the last 30 years. And yet God's plan from the very beginning of time, David starts in this Psalms 139. He says, I knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. I counted your days. I had a plan for you. If you would just trust me, I could put you back together again. I, I love Jeremiah 29. He says, I, I have thoughts for you. I know the thoughts that I have for you. Thoughts not to harm you, but to prosper you. To thoughts to give you a future and a hope. And, and I sense that what God is wanting to do with a bunch of young adults in this room is to take you and teach you how to be an adult. And the only way that you could really do it is saying, God... My body is broken. My soul is unreliable, but your spirit, Lord, let it lead me. Let your spirit lead me. In the moment that you do, there'll be a generation of people that their life glorify God because God is always working. If we would just trust Him in the process. Thanks for joining us on the Nova Church Podcast. We hope this message impacted you in a powerful way. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe or you can head to novachurch.com for more.